So the message title this morning is Mountaintops and Caves. And it's hard in light of what's going on in Thailand to talk about caves without thinking about that situation where those young boys and uh, their soccer coach have been trapped in a cave uh, for a few weeks now and the incredible rescue effort that is underway as um, people from all over, uh, certainly all over Thailand and around the world are gathering um, to try and bring those boys out safe and sound and return them to their families. If you're following this story at all, you know that already one of the brave rescue workers uh, has died uh, in this effort. Um, And I'm just noticing that um, four of the boys have been removed safely so far today. And so that's really great news. Um, But I wanted to start this morning by praying for um, those who are still in the cave and those who are a part of that rescue effort and just add our voice to the millions of voices around the world that are uh, praying for these these, uh, boys. So let's pray. God, we know that uh, we are in your hands and that this world and this life is so unpredictable that one moment you can be playing soccer on a field and the next moment you are trapped in a cave. And so we pray for the boys that remain still in that cave. We're thankful for those who have been safely removed and pray that that is the case for the remainder of those boys and for that coach. We pray for all of those rescuers who are risking their own lives to be part of this rescue effort. And so God, we are asking for your care, for uh, your spirit to watch over and to guide and direct um, this effort. And as they are safely returned to their families, we will join them in rejoicing and giving you the thanks and the praise in Christ's name. And God's people agreed and said, amen. So we are in this series um, throughout the summer where we're talking about great summer reads. These are stories in the Bible of men and women of... um, they're ordinary, really, men and women who do extraordinary things because of the fact that they put their faith in an extraordinary God and all that God does through them and to see the lessons that we can extract from that for our own lives as well. And uh, so this morning we're looking at the story of Elijah. You just heard uh, a part of that story um, on the video that we just saw. It is, Elijah is one of the Um, if not the greatest prophet in Israel's history. And there's no way I could tell his whole story in the short time that I have. So we're going to be just isolating on this one story of part of Elijah's life and what we might take away from that story. So we're going to be looking at um, 1 Kings 19. But in order to understand that, we have to put it in context, and that takes us back to 1 Kings verse 18. So let me just give you a quick overview of what took place. So the king of Israel at this time is King Ahab. His wife is Jezebel. And the Bible says that Ahab did what was wicked in the sight of God, that Ahab was a bad king and he rejected 
God. In fact, he was perhaps the worst king in Israel because he and Jezebel rejected the faith of Yahweh. They rejected the Jewish faith and embraced instead the worship of the god Baal and erected throughout, uh, throughout Israel, erected idols to the god Baal and tore down the altars of Yahweh. And so he was a wicked king. Elijah, the prophet, who was the only remaining prophet in Israel, uh, Jezebel and Ahab had killed the other uh, prophets of God. Uh, Elijah was the only one remaining. And so Elijah comes along, he comes up to Ahab, and he challenges Ahab to a duel in a, in a weird kind of way. Um, he says, why don't you get the prophets of Baal, 450 of these prophets, and you have them offer a sacrifice to Baal, and let's see if Baal takes the sacrifice, and I will offer a sacrifice to Yahweh, and let's see if Yahweh takes the sacrifice. So let's see whose God is the real God. And so Ahab takes the challenge on. He pulls together the 450 prophets of Baal, and uh, the people of Israel gather, so throngs of people gather to see this spectacle. And uh, so the 450 prophets of Baal take out this young bull and they tie him to an altar and uh, they begin to pray to the god Baal to receive this sacrifice. And so they're praying and they're praying and nothing's happening and they're dancing and they're doing incantations and they're, you know, everything they possibly can do to get Baal to take the sacrifice. And meanwhile, Elijah is sitting off to the side mocking them. And uh, it's, it's actually funny if, when you read the story yourself uh, in 1 Kings 18. And, uh, and nothing happens. And finally, in exhaustion, they give up. And so then Elijah, he also has a young bull and he reconstructs the altar that had been torn down to Yahweh. And... Um, he puts wood around it and digs a little trench around it and then begins to pour water on everything. He pours water on the altar table. He pours water all over the, all over the wood. He fills this trench with water. And then he asks God to receive this offering. And in this blockbuster kind of visual, overwhelming kind of way, fire from heaven comes down, consumes this bull and consumes the wood that had been drenched with water and consumes the water and just consumes it all and takes it up into heaven. It's such a dramatic thing and such a powerful thing that all of the people who see it happen fall to their knees and begin to worship Yahweh. At the end of that then, Elijah has the uh, prophets of Baal uh, taken captive and those prophets are all annihilated. These false prophets, these prophets who are leading the people astray are all annihilated. And then at the end of the 18th chapter, they have been, Israel has been in this drought for um, a long period of time and Elijah prays and the rains come and the drought's broken. That, friends, is not the story I want to tell you. But that's an 
amazing story. It's the backdrop to the story I'm about to tell you. Really what's happening there is what you might call a mountaintop experience. A mountaintop experience is one of those experiences that you have where you feel closest to God, where you just feel like everything is just rightly aligned with God and you're hearing God's voice and you're feeling God's blessing and it just couldn't get any better than this. Have you experienced in your life a mountaintop kind of experience with God like that? Man, I've been privileged to have some of those experiences. One of the ones that I experienced really is, is in part how it is that you and I come to be gathered here together this morning. It happened years ago. I've told the story many times. Many of you have heard the story. Some of you could retell the story you've heard it so many times, but it's a part of our story as a community of faith. I was a young pastor at Haddonfield Methodist Church and um, I had come into Voorhees to visit somebody in the hospital over at the old West Jersey Hospital for those old timers who remember West Jersey before it was Virtua. And it was over on uh, Evesham. And I uh, came up Crescent Road, I was at the corner of Crescent and Evesham, saw this great construction project going on and a big sign that said Main Street USA. And so I pull in to find out what this is about and hear the story that the contractor who's the developer of this has this vision of creating this kind of fictitious Main Street with stores and shops and so forth that is going to be a gathering place for people from the community and surrounding communities, just like the old fashioned Main Street in most small towns around the country. And uh, so we're gonna have this, this Main Street. And I thought that's an interesting concept and I walked out and had you know one of those rare but undeniable moments where God spoke to me. Not in an audible way, but in an undeniable way that I knew it wasn't just my own thoughts. It, it was in a deep place in my spirit. And God asked a question, Jeff, what's missing? And as I looked around, I realized immediately that the church was missing. There's no church. Here we are, we're re recreating Main Street USA. And if you go to main streets of historic towns all around our country, including here in South Jersey, what's on main street? The church, right? If you drive down main streets of these towns, Haddonfield, Moorestown, Berlin, uh, Merchantville, you go to any of the older towns in this area and you go down whatever their main street is, you will see not only shops and, and so forth, but inevitably there'll be a church or multiple churches on that same street. And here we are, we've replaced the church on this new main street with an office building. And so that was God's call to me to begin to try and start a church in Voorhees. And so I pulled together a group of people and we talked about, well, how do you do that? What's, what, what's it gonna look like? And we had this audacious idea that we would try and create a church for people who don't go to church. And maybe we can attract people who don't go to church to come to a church like that. And then we did a phone campaign and invited people to come to this church. And then we had the first service and 
to our utter amazement, 290 people showed up. And I remember to this day, at the end of that Sunday, as I was sitting together with the people who, that original core group, just reflecting on the day, just feeling like it doesn't get any better than this. I could die today and feel fulfilled. That's a mountaintop experience. Maybe you've had them. The thing about mountains is we don't get to live there. They come and they're awesome, but we don't get to live there. So that's where he is. That's where Elijah is. He has this mountaintop experience. He sees God work in a powerful way and, and uh, hears God's voice and so forth in this powerful and undeniable way. That's how chapter 18 ends. This is how chapter 19 begins and the words will be on the screen. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. This is, wow, what a message, right? This is mafia stuff. You killed my people, I'm gonna kill you. You're no good, I, you don't do, you know, like that stuff. And this is, this is the queen, like Ahab's just like, I can't believe what happened. Jezebel is the one like, you, I'm gonna kill you. Told you, it's like a movie, it's a great read. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beth Beersheba, a town in Judah, where he left his servant. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. From a mountaintop, he went to a cave. He's in a cave. A cave is a way of talking about the times in your life, the times in life where it is dark, you feel alone, you feel abandoned, and most of all, you feel forgotten by God. Have you ever had a cave experience? where it just feels like God has left me. I mean, this one happened within days of the mountain experience. That's pretty quick. I mean, you get whiplash from that part of the story, but those times come. We all experience those times. For me, one of those times came just a couple of years after the story I just told of, of that mountaintop experience. So the church had had started and it was great and we were just feeling and seeing God at work in all of the lives of people who were coming and, and it, was, it was just the best. And then the end of 1994 and the beginning of 1995 came and I found myself in a cave. Thank you, that's great. 
Um, at the end of 94, Marilyn uh, became pregnant with our second son, uh, Matthew. Many of you know Matt. And, uh, but when you first, as a parent, before he was born, get the news that your son uh, is Down syndrome, it kind of takes your breath away. And not only that, but they could tell through the uh, ultrasound and so forth that he was going to requ require open heart surgery uh, sometime in the first year of his life. And that's just overwhelming news. And then on the heels of that, we learned that Marilyn had cancer and that her cancer would require surgery and, and chemotherapy and radiation. And that was really overwhelming. And then kind of soon after that, I got this diagnosis of this condition in the retinas of my eyes that that um, over time I would be losing, uh, increasingly losing vision. And then on top of that, our dog died. <laughs> and I, I found myself telling people, my life has become a bad country western song, right? My wife's sick, my kid's sick, I'm sick, and our dog died. It's a bad song. But it was a cave. And each of those things, you know, it's not just the thing, it's that all of the stuff that comes with it, all of the challenges, you know, Matt was sick in the first year a lot and we were at doctor's offices and emergency rooms and so forth and Marilyn was sick with, with uh, the cancer and the cancer treatments and so forth and, and Josh was only a couple years old and it just felt like wave after wave after wave of difficulty. And as that went on, I was in a cave. The words of Elisha should be plastered over the entrance to a cave. Elijah summed up the cave experience with four words. I have had enough. I'm done. When you have those cave experiences, you come to the end of yourself. You come to the end of yourself. I feel like I'm a pretty resilient guy. I get knocked down, I get back up. But when you're in a cave, you just feel like you are overwhelmed and you can't get up. You are at the end of your Self. You're at the end of your ability. You're at the end of your ideas. You're at the end of what you can do to make things better. And you just throw up your hands and say, it's enough. I'm done. So that's where Elijah is. He's, he is afraid with good cause, you know, and he's discouraged. I mean, here he is. He's done this amazing thing. God showed up in an amazing way and showed his power. And they showed the falseness of the God Baal. And I suspect what he thought would happen at that point is that the king Ahab and the queen Jezebel would go, oh man, were we wrong? We get it now. And have brought the people back to Yahweh. But they didn't do that. Instead, they doubled down. And I'm sure that Elijah just went, I'm done. And now they want to kill me. They've killed all the other prophets and now they want to kill me. I'm done. I'm done. That's the cave. 
That's the cave. You feel alone, forgotten, and life is just hard. The next part of the story is God sends an angel to Elijah. So here he is lying under this broom tree asleep, praying to die. And an angel comes and wakes him up and says, Elijah, you need to eat and drink. And he looks around and there this angel has prepared bread. So there's this hot stone and he he made bread on this stone and had a jar of water. And so Elijah eats the bread and he drinks the water and then lays back down and goes back to sleep. And the angel wakes him up again and says, no, no, you can't. You need to eat more. You need to drink more. You have a journey yet to take. And so Elijah eats the bread and he drinks the water. You know, I want to say something about angels here. The word angel in the Hebrew literally means a messenger or a representative, a messenger or a representative. And when we think of angels, of course, we think of those heavenly beings that are not human. They're sent from God uh, with a message from God and they represent God. They don't represent themselves, but we think of these heavenly beings, these angels, but it also is a reference to people that God sends to other people to bring a message from him to them, to represent him to them. And so sometimes angels come in the form of these heavenly beings and sometimes they come in the form of a human being, but they are both angels. I don't know what angel, what kind of angel it was in this story. It, could well have been a human being because it, this person made bread and had to use a hot stone, you know, and so actually bake the bread and so forth. If it's a heavenly angel, I'm thinking they just go, you know, bread and it just appears like they don't need to cook it. Um, but when we're in a cave, one of the things God will do is send us an angel. And angels do two things. These angels did two things for Elijah. The first was to let Elijah know that he wasn't forgotten, he wasn't alone, right? He wasn't forgotten. When I was in my cave time, God sent me angels in the form of human beings. There were two incidents in particular I recall at that time. One came, um, I was in a low period of time and I was on the phone with a colleague. Uh, and I don't remember what we were talking about, but at the end of the conversation on the phone, she said, um, hey, Jeff, I, I know that you're going through a, a tough time right now. How you doing? And I just said, I don't even know how to pray anymore. I don't know what to pray anymore. And she said to me, it's okay. Let us pray for you. And that, in that moment, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I just felt the pressure off and I felt I'm not alone, that, that there are people around me who are praying for me. I don't have to worry that I don't have the words right now. It was such a gift. It was an angel. The second one that, that happened in that moment, was in that time period was, um, you know, in those times, you're focused on everyone but yourself. 
I was focused on my wife and her health. I was focused on my son and his health and this little guy that I had run around and I had no time to think about myself and that was not my focus at all. But this one morning I had a breakfast meeting with a guy from the church and we sat down at the diner and ordered breakfast and then he looked at me and he said, so tell me what it's like to be Jeff Bills right now. And it was so out of character for this guy. And I just began to talk about what was going on with me. And I left the diner that morning just feeling lighter. It was like a pressure valve had been released. And I got to say what I needed to say and tell my story and then go back and do what I needed to do. It was an angel. God says, sends angels in our cave time to remind us that we're not alone. The second thing that that angel did for Elijah was took care of his physical needs. Because when we're in caves, we're often not taking care of ourselves physically. And it just compounds everything. Because we start feeling physically worse, it makes us feel worse inside as well. It makes us less able to deal with the things that we have to deal with. But oftentimes when we're in caves, right, we're not eating right. We're eating, we're not eating at all or we're eating too much or we're not eating good food. We're eating junk food and so forth. And so that's one of the things we do. We are not drinking enough, you know, water. We're drinking too much of stuff that we shouldn't be drinking. And it, it makes the situation even worse. And so here this angel shows up to provide for the physical concerns of Elijah. I love the fact that we have a care ministry here at Hope Church. These folks are angels and they are often angels bearing food, right? If you have never been uh, sick or let us know that you were sick and cared for by some folks in our care ministry, you ought to get sick. I'm telling you, these folks show up with food and it's awesome. And if it's a long-term thing, they'll even schedule multiple meals over the course of time just so you make sure to get fed. And it's just another way to show care and, and uh, concern and that God hasn't forgotten. All right, so this angel shows up and, and ministers to Elijah in that way and then says, Elijah, you need to get up and go. You've got a journey ahead of you. Here's the other thing about caves. Sometimes we need to go into the cave to rest up. And it's okay in hard times to rest up. But here's what you can't do. You can't give up. You can rest up in the cave, but you can't give up in the cave. And so you need to get up. Once you rest up, you, get, you can't give up. You need to get up and start moving again. And so that's what this angel says, you've got to get going. And so Elijah gets up and for 40 days he journeys, 40 days he walks and he walks and he walks, moving forward, moving forward. Nothing has changed, he's still depressed, he's still anxious, he's still scared, he's still uh, feeling overwhelmed by the whole thing, but he's walking, he's moving ahead. And at the end of the 40 days, you know where he ends up? At a cave. <laughs> And so that's not fair, right? At the end of the 40 days, you would think like you'd be on a mountain, but no, he's at a cave. And he goes into this cave. And in the cave, God speaks to him. 
and he asks Elijah a question. Why are you here, Elijah? Why are you here? Now, do you think the God of the universe is asking because he doesn't know the answer? You know, like God is going, so why are you here? Tell me, what, what's going on? Why, why are you here? No, God knows why he's there. He wants Elijah to articulate what's going on within him. And so Elijah, hearing that question, responds to God. And he says this. Elijah replied, Lord, I have jealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. So he articulates his fear. He articulates his frustration. God, here's what's going on with me. He says it out loud. Sometimes when we're in the caves, we don't even know why we're there and we need to say out loud what's going on. Here's why I'm frustrated. Here's what I'm scared of. Here's what my fear is. God wants to hear us articulate our fears. Sometimes we think God doesn't want to hear it or God's going to be angry or upset if we tell God what's really going on with us. When I was in my cave time, I was telling God what I was thinking and feeling. You know, like, how is this happening? What's going on? Why is this? God, come on. And so I, Elijah lets God know exactly what's going on. God says, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go stand by the mountain. And so Elijah goes out and all of a sudden, a huge wind, a hurricane force wind comes whipping through. And in the midst of the hurricane, in the midst of this wild scene, Elijah is listening, but he can't hear the voice of God. And after that dies down, then the earth begins to shake in an earthquake. And Elijah's listening for the voice of God and he can't hear the voice of God. And then fire breaks out and sweeps through the area, this huge fire. And Elijah's listening and he can't hear God's voice in the fire. You see, when we're in cave times, sometimes we're looking for the big dramatic thing of God. Do something awesome. Show me yourself. I want the billboard. I want the, you know, earth to move and things to shake. I want everything to be, fix it right now. And we're frustrated because we can't hear the word, of, the voice of God. And then when all that settles down, when all that settles down, a breeze starts to blow. And it's in the breeze it's in that quiet breeze that Elijah hears God's voice. When we're in caves, we have to be more attentive to listen for the voice of God. You have to kind of lean in and listen for God's still voice. And God 
spoke to Elijah and asked the exact same question again. Why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah gives him exactly the same answer. Nothing's changed. And God says, okay, now I want you to go back the way you came. And I want you to get back into your life. And I want you to watch how I'm going to work. The temptation, again, when we are in the cave is to say, I'm done and I'm just going to stay here. And what God calls us to do is to rest up, but then to get up and to move ahead into your life, into the challenges, even though you don't see anything changing. And listen for God's voice. And God worked in a powerful way in Elijah's life because he was willing to trust God even though nothing in that moment seemed to have changed. So let's stand together for closing prayer. So whether you're on a mountaintop kind of thing right now, that's great. Enjoy those moments. They're good. They're sweet. They're a gift. Or maybe you're in a cave kind of time. God has not abandoned you. Don't stay in the cave. Keep moving forward. And maybe you're in just a normal time of life, and those are wonderful as well. Don't take those for granted. Continue to listen for the voice of God. So Lord, thank you for an example like Elijah, an ordinary guy with an extraordinary faith in an extraordinary God, just like us, ordinary people, putting our faith in an extraordinary God and trusting you to do extraordinary things in us and through us for the sake of your kingdom. And all of the praise and all of the glory and all of the honor is yours, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, have a great week.